0: Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. On episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight 1-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear 1-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice, not fear of the disease associations with myopia, is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Visions MySight One Day, we now have an FDA approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySite One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm Ted McElroy, your host, and today I'm with a very good friend of mine, Sean Lemon. Sean is the founder of the Digital Organizer. Uh, they partner with forward thinking businesses to create streamlined, effective, and easy to use digital organizational systems. Uh, he's always been driven by a passion to understand how things work, finding how to make them better. Uh, from a young age, he worked on cars, he uh, worked with his, with his dad. He uh, built on computers, bicycles, a lot of other things. He took that information and used that to help himself to be able to better understand and also teach more complex ideas, especially when it comes to organization, organizational things, on digital side of things, to other people to make it understandable for them to get. Uh, this has really made him a lot easier to uh, get through as an adult uh, where he excels as the digital organizer Uh, in his free time he's an avid reader he likes pottery which i've seen a number of pieces he does great great work with that Uh, he likes skateboarding motorcycle riding and surfing which i want to find out how you do surfing in franklin tennessee we'll talk about that in a little bit but his favorite (laughs) two things are his wife madeline and his baby boy nico please help me welcome sean lemon to the podcast thanks for being here sean
1: Hey, man. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Good to hang My out. My pleasure. My pleasure. Hey, yeah.
0: And we, uh, full disclosure for everybody, uh, Sean and I hang out at least once a month, um, regularly. We have a mastermind group, which will, you've, some of you heard about before. We had Lisa Marker Robbins on about a year ago and we talked about this and he's in that same group of people. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. But before we really dig into some of that stuff, uh, Sean, what I'd really love for you to do is to kind of give your origin story of how you got to where you are. What were the some of the things that led you into your business and, and really kind of, you know, what made you think you were going to be a good business owner?
1: Yeah, great question. So uh, I grew up in a house where my dad worked in the casino industry. I grew up in Las Vegas and my mom had a small business. And between the two of them, uh, we were always, my brother and I, Josh, were always encouraged to ask why um, and to dig in and figure out how we would make things better. Why is that person on the side of the road? Why is the sub shop taking so long to make sandwiches? And what would you do differently? Uh, uh, instead of my dad just fixing the modem on our, you know, the dial up modem on our PC, instead of doing it, he said, you're going to learn this. I'm tired of doing it. Uh, so you need to figure it out of rolling back the drivers and, you know, reinstalling because windows updated it automatically. And so I had to figure out how to find those properties and, and roll it back. And when I got my first Mac, um, I dove in and just started reading the help menus because, you know, uh, <laughs> my dad would make me read the manuals we got a new uh, radio cd player and tape player combo little boom box for Christmas one year but my brother and I weren't allowed to use it until we read the manual first. <laughs>
0: Which is quite intelligent because, I mean, let's face it, most parents would just give them something and say, well, hey, good going, and we be breaking it in about two hours.
1: Yeah. So my brother didn't actually read it. He pretended like he did. I read the whole thing cover to cover. So I knew how when my friends wanted to record songs from the radio to make a mixtape, I could show them how and I could do it for them. And so I knew all that stuff kind of inside and out. And so... I guess I just took to that framework of thinking, or maybe I was already naturally inclined to being able to read a manual and figure out how to use it. So when I first got a Mac, I was always PC when I was younger, people who owned Macs came to me and said, how do I do this and that? And so figured it out, would create a little guide for them, send them a long email and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I was working or no, I was, I was moving to Tennessee, from santa barbara where i was doing a video internship and so i was moving to franklin and dropped off my monitor at the apple store to be repaired and then shipped to me in tennessee and i'm sitting at the genius bar waiting and someone asks a photos question of the genius and he gives this answer that's totally wrong (laughs) i'm like that's not how you're supposed to do that you can do it that way but that's gonna lead to this whole other thing because you don't actually understand how this program works right it turns out the geniuses at the apple store are taught how to troubleshoot the hardware on your computer but they're not taught how to use the software at all i thought hey really i wonder if i could work here and uh so i moved to tennessee and you know started working in another place in the mall and these you know people would come in from the apple store and i'm strike up a conversation and tell them about my interest. And someone's like, you know, you should apply. I'll refer you. I got hired there immediately just started selling, you know, doing a great job selling. And I would love to sit afterwards with people and show them how to use their computer and uh, just spend a bunch of time with them. And it turns out there was a role in the store that actually did that. You could buy a membership for a hundred bucks when you bought your Mac and um and you could book one hour appointments with a creative to show you how to use the software so i got recruited onto that team and spent nearly 7 years training people how to use apple software until i saw so many messes and people needing serious help that they couldn't uh that they couldn't get in the apple store and the consultants All they wanted to do was make your machine run well or get you set up in this platform, but actually how to use it, how to detangle your data, how to think about organizing all of your stuff like a digital workshop so that you've got easy access to it. No one was doing that. And that's what I left the Apple store to do and start the digital organizer and kind of made a meandering path of freelance work to figure out how to make it work. Finally found my system. Hired people made refined that system, and uh, and now we've got a team who, you know, they organize. We do data migrations and stuff into Google Workspace and help people consolidate their stuff and really get organized.
0: So w- when you're sitting down with a client for the first time, mm-hmm. what is probably the most frequent challenge that they're bringing to you to help be fixed?
1: It's, uh, there's a couple of things. We get a lot of people who are overwhelmed by email. And so the people who search us out, they live in email, spend a lot of time in there, maybe hours a day, and they're overwhelmed. They're missing things and they need to get it under control. So that's a big one. But the other part is shiny object syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, th- all of the marketing is, is, and all of these dollars are being pumped into marketing tools and this software that will change your life or this new service or chat GPT or whatever it is to help transform what you do. And if you just get on this new tool or if you upgrade to this subscription level, all is gonna be great. And your friends tell you that, that this is working for them, but then they don't update you three months down the road and let you know, oh, they abandoned that tool because it was too complicated or they actually didn't use it. And so these people have their data spread across so many different apps, bunch of to-do apps, bunch of notes apps, you know, uh, files on their desktop in iCloud and Dropbox and in multiple Google Drive accounts. And it's just spread out all over the place and they're trying to get control of it. That's really the biggest things. You know, they're using Safari and Chrome and their iPhone. And so they've got multiple sets of passwords that don't sync and they're constantly getting locked out. It's data spread out all over the place is really the the thing that just about everyone I talk to needs help with.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I know anybody who this is not going to be helpful for. (laughs) <laughs> now, but especially, you know, um, because as you're talking about this, I, so earlier before we got on, I was going through and trying to find a template for a pre, for a presentation that I did about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was going to use it for a to sort of as the model for a presentation I'm going to do. And yeah. it took me about 15 minutes to find this I knew exactly which presentation it was. I knew what the name of it was, but it took me 15 minutes to find out what folder it was stuck into. Yeah. And it's just crazy.
1: Mm -hmm. It's hard because no, everyone tells you that you need to be organized, but nobody tells you actually how to organize. And when it comes to the digital tools, it's growing so fast. So if someone didn't train you on a framework of thinking about this, then You know, it's really easy to just get lost and then decide I'm going to create a filing system. And whatever one comes to the top of mind, that's what you do. And you stick your stuff in there. And then for a lot of people, it's overly complex and it eventually gets abandoned because when the stress kicks in and we get busy, we follow the path of least resistance. And so trying to file this thing away six layers deep In this organization system isn't nearly as quickly as quick as putting it on your desktop and so the desktop fills up and you've got this hyper organized and quote system that really isn't working for you so how do you dig into the
0: challenge that this person's bringing to you to be able to figure out a solution or is every solution pretty much the same
1: It's a combination. It's the same core principles and tools and same process that everyone needs to go through. But that process gets customized based on what your needs are. So everyone's got health records, financial records, um, probably some journal entries, uh, different things like this that you've got. But then you may have other other needs as well for your home you know maybe you're a property owner and so you've got a bunch of different receipts that you want to keep track of Uh, maybe you want to have all of your closing documents for your loan you're trying to keep track of some of these things so you may need to adapt financials and maybe instead of real estate being inside of your financial folder real estate is its own folder or maybe the house and so you know we change things around but primarily um, you know, we're, we're building a framework around what's relevant now and highlighting the things that are most important and then making some of that archival data a little bit deeper, but the process is pretty similar. It's inventory consolidate, uh, keep, delete archive. So do some clean out restructure and then rename some of the stuff that's actually current so that you can find it quickly. And then if you wanna take that process and start doing it on the archival material, you can do that. But really, in order to get control of a big mess quickly, we need to focus on what's relevant now and going to be relevant in the future that I'm gonna to need to access pretty quickly. And that's the stuff that's actually gonna dictate what your new organization system looks like not trying to account for every single file you have otherwise that can be a really big project so you have permission to archive and to not go back and organize everything that you've got it's just not a great use of time if you're a busy person Uh, you really want to focus on what's going on now and where you're going and make everything else available, consolidate it all so that you can go and dig when you need to. But um, yeah, focus on today. So what is the
0: archival process looks like? Because I'm I'm just, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, I've got Dropbox. I've mm-hmm. got Google folder. I've got my, you know, micro, I've got a Microsoft one, whatever they call that folder. I've got mm-hmm. a, I mean, are you just taking all of that? Get, are you, I'm presuming you're going to need password uh, help and things like that to be able to get into it. How are you archiving all this stuff?
1: So we're a do it with you service. We're not do it for you. Um, I don't know what to archive and what's relevant. Uh, and Scotty, you know, our, our main organizer right now, he's he doesn't know what's current for you and what's important or how you think about this stuff so we do it with you but the consolidation pro well it starts with consolidating so let's go and figure out where everything is and either move it into the platform that you were going to use we'll pick google drive say Mm -hmm. we we think google drive is the best solution so so we'll pull everything into google drive whether it's a move or copy if it moves it leaves OneDrive and it arrives in the google drive on your folder if you have to copy it, then, cool, then you've got copies of it in your Google Drive and you really should delete them from OneDrive. Um, that way, later on down the road, when you forgot if you organized it or not, <laughs> uh, you can go into OneDrive and see that nothing is there. So you really want to clean up after yourself once you copy it from the multiple um, uh, areas that they've been stored in. So once you've got it all in Google drive, then, uh, we like to do a delete pass of what can we obviously delete, like go through and let's just start trashing. And then from there, what's, uh, if we've got a lot of stuff that we need to archive, we should probably just go pick out the things that are good and relevant now and move those out of that, of that mess folder so that, we can really focus on organizing those things if the items that you're going to archive are pretty minimal then we just archive right there does that make sense Uh, i i have a visual and i've done it but explaining it sometimes doesn't work out so let me clarify anything that wasn't i think i think
0: for me, I mean, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm still stuck in this uh, schema of my presentation still. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't tell me how many times I've, you know, I've gone to a, a place to do a presentation, um, say, Seco or something like that for optometry. And I pull up what I think is the correct current presentation. Mm-hmm. And two minutes before I'm supposed to go on, I realize, wait a minute that's not the right one it's actually the one and i don't remember where i saved that last one so now yeah. i'm panicky and i'm going through this whole thing so you know it It and even another instance um recently we were looking at our office handbook that's mm-hmm. digital mm-hmm. and i pull it up and realize wait a minute that's the one from three years ago that's why, why do we even have this yeah you know we've got a new reg we've got a brand new version we just did a month ago and so those kind of things are really frustrating. It's waste a lot of time, uh, which is very expensive to your business. Um, you know, so I, I presume that's what you're basically talking about.
1: Yes. So that's, there's a couple of different angles to hit that from number one is having a good naming convention so that when you're naming these files, you know when they were created. So um, most often we're actually starting the name of all of our files with a date. So and it has to be the year first. So it's 2023-07-28. Um, so uh if you don't put the zeros in there and if you don't do it year, month and day, then it's not gonna organize chronologically. Um, and we like things organized chronologically uh, Mm -hmm. if we're prioritizing the date. So that helps in the process. There's another thing as far as archiving. So you're saying, how does the archiving work? So we have two primary ways of archiving. One of them is called archiving in context or archiving in place. And what that is, is you go into operations and you go into the handbooks folder or operations and you've got handbooks right there. Uh, along with other files well the current one should be at the top so in operations there's handbooks or maybe you have a subfold or something like that but it needs to be surfaced really high now you got two options for the old versions do you want to delete the old version because it's no longer current or do you want to keep it for reference later on down the road but you just need to see that it's an archive well um. I'm one of those people that I'd probably keep it. No, I wouldn't probably. I would keep it <laughs> because <laughs> I like knowing that I can see what was the policy then at that time, how, where have I come and stuff like that. And because I'm naming them well, um, it is uh, it's easy to differentiate which one um, is current and which one isn't. So that one's in the past. So that's archiving in place. So I would have a folder in operations called archive. So this is where all of the stuff goes that I want to keep, but isn't current anymore. So it definitely shouldn't be at the top and it shouldn't be right alongside all the other hand- manuals. When you're looking for a manual, you just want the current one. Nine times out of 10, maybe you want to reference something old. That's why it goes in a folder called archive inside of operations so that you can get back to it. Now, there's another type of archive called a deep archive, um, where this is a folder where you're putting things that it's very unlikely you're going to look for. Maybe you're, you've made a pivot in your business and you're no longer offering the service anymore. And, uh, or, or that was a long time ago. There's a bunch of stuff that you've created. You just can't help, uh, you know, parting with it. So you're going to keep it. So we put that in a whole other folder. We don't want to clog up even our archive with stuff that it's very unlikely we're going to access again. So this is the stuff, can't bear to delete it. We got to keep it, but it really holds no relevance to now, and it's unlikely we're going to look for it. That's going in a deep archive. And there's strategies um that you can use. and You have to use different types of folders depending on the platform that you use so that you can keep all that stuff, but it doesn't show up in the uh, search results when other people in the company are searching for things so you know there's a, there's some strategies around that um, or putting it on an external hard drive. There's all kinds of different ways to be able to keep stuff, but let's get it out of the main filing system if it's you know truly not relevant anymore. You just brought up another set of stakeholders that are quite
0: important in this process as well. I mean, as a leader of the organization, it, it's frustrating me more often than not. If you're the leader organization, you're probably the most expensive line item on your budget. But yet the next most expensive is your entire team. Um, well, individually, probably collectively, they are probably more expensive than you are. Right. singly. What kind of what does this do for them? How does this free them up? How does this. How does this make them want to stay with you versus going somewhere else? Yeah.
1: So I want you to picture your computer and all of the stuff that you've got in it. Not only your computer, but, the, but the, all of the tools that you use regularly. And think of how organized or disorganized it is. Now, I want you to take that and pretend like that's an actual physical space, that that's your office or the home that you live in. I'll just let that sit for a second.
0: I'm seeing an episode of Hoarders starting to show up in my brain.
1: And it is encouraged. It's like the uh, drug epidemic, the opioid epidemic in late 80s, 90s you know, of just writing script after script for opioids to people. And, you know, this is perfectly fine. It's non-addictive of all the things. Uh, Digital hoarding isn't a good idea because we collect a lot of stuff and it Mm -hmm. becomes really hard to find unless you're really detail-oriented. You'd be shocked at some of the people coming to me with – 80 boxes in their basements of every piece of paper they've ever gotten all organ- and they want to come to me to digitize it and get it organized it's like dude we don't do that <laughs> <laughs> i'm not working with this <laughs> um that's a level of in- of insanity so um so if we go back to the illustration that is the we're working in a digital Workspace there's your physical workspace and there's your digital workspace and that's the thing that people are spending the most time in is staring at this screen trying to navigate whatever is in here at least knowledge workers are who are, who are on the computer so that's a lot of friction and A lot of it is normalized, but when you start smoothing out the process and when people can find what they need easily, it reduces a lot of friction and it makes things easier and it helps people focus on the thing that they came to you for, to get hired, if they're attracted by whatever the mission is or the role is, and it puts them back in that role instead of fighting with the technology and so it's going to help with your payroll it's going to help with morale because you know it's easier to work on things and it's not just a, a constant struggle to get things done um and people get tired of living in a mess and things being broken for a long time and just having to figure it out and to make a system or to have their previous uh, or their predecessors mess dumped on them when they get hired yeah that's a horrible way to come into a new job and a lot of people are just dumping the last person's mess onto the new person and say you know make it happen and it uh it makes onboarding a lot harder and then your your most senior staff is is now instead of doing what they're best at They're answering stupid questions about where is this file for a lot of times a day. And and a lot of people don't realize, you know, I just had a conversation with someone. She's like, you know, it doesn't take me that long. You know, it's maybe like an hour a week or something collectively of all of these little things that that she's answering for all of these other staff members. But this company that that she works for they provide a service to clients and so let's dig into that chain of command or that that yeah i guess chain of command i don't know what to call it but a customer makes a request from their coach and the coach goes and digs and tries to find it so there's that time delay of the customer couldn't find what they need how long did it take the customer to finally reach out to their coach to get that So they already had their frustrating experience of not being able to find it. So now they have to ask the coach. Now the coach has to go through this whole process of trying to find something. Who knows how long that takes? How long does it take for that person to then reach out to the senior staff member? And then how long does it take for the senior staff member to find it? pretty quick, right? She knows where all the bodies are buried. So she just goes and finds that thing in base camp or in Dropbox, whatever, and sends it to the coach. And so that's done. But how long did it take her to get to that request? And then the time that she sends that back to the coach, well, they're in sessions and they're doing other things. How long before they get that back to the client? And then before the client actually sees it and takes action on it. That's stupid. Right, And that's happening all day, every day in so many different companies when if we just have a really good file structure naming convention, spend some time to get in there and restructure and organize it, we don't deal with these issues. And when a client says, hey, I can't find this, the coach can go and update the resource and say, oh, sorry, I just updated the resource for you. And now he's stopped the whole problem in the first place. And nobody has to make this dumb request again.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking through, again, uh, it's hard not to think about yourself when you're going through this sort of thing. But, you know, um, an exercise I learned when I was going through Business Accelerator was was what my number is, you know, what my time is worth. Mm. And this person that's talking about this, maybe one hour a week, if they were to sit down and calculate out, let's say it, let's say it is literally one hour a week. We probably know it's more like three, probably more than that, but let's Mm -hmm. just say it's one. That's still 52 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. That's well over a week Mm -hmm. worth of time. Mm -hmm. How much money did that waste the company For them doing this one silly little thing that could have been done, you know, it it might have taken, you know, if it, let's say it, let's say it really does take an hour. And we all kind of know that if something takes an hour to do something or to teach someone else how to do a similar task or to figure out how to fix a similar task, it's going to take at least five much of that time to do it. So if it took them an hour to find this file, they could come up with a system that would fix it in, say, five hours, but they only mm-hmm. did it once. They only, they only have to do it again. So now they've literally saved themselves 47 hours in a year by doing it this way. And how much that saves that individual is just incredible when, you, when it comes down to when you're talking about dollars and cents on things. So if you save that time, I mean, now you've saved yourself tons of money for the business yeah and it just makes sense
1: it does so that same client we're uh, we're in the kind of proposal phase for them because they don't think that their their owner will really jump on board unless you make a really clear, obvious case, data-driven case. The friction that they're experiencing isn't a good enough case. So we've got to lay the numbers out there. So working with with three different people to figure this out from different angles, and it's pretty amazing. So these people have coaches. And so they do a marketing plan for you. So you're going to pay $13,000 for the marketing plan. And then, uh, and then you move on and you're doing a thousand dollars a month, uh, for the continued coaching. So they've got six coaches so they can, um, the, one of the coaches believes wholeheartedly, conservatively, each coach can take on two to three more clients if this is done. So that's a conservative estimate. So if we say two for six coaches, that's $156,000 for in marketing plans. And then uh, another 12000 a month of recurring revenue, monthly recurring revenue just for that. And then we took a really conservative number. I think it was like an hour a week or, um, Something, something super conservative for the employees and, uh, and she's an HR. So she calculated that out. It's $104,000 a year in payroll hours saved. And we're trying to figure out the client retention part for that frustration because clients do leave from the frustration of not being able to get things quickly. Um, that one's a harder one to quantify, um, because there's multiple reasons why people may leave and we can't just put it all on digital organization. That's not fair. Um, so, but we're, but so we're trying to figure out what's the negative ROI for that of not, not doing it. So by not doing it, you know, you're, we're looking at potentially losing, well, uh, six clients last quarter. So that's another $6,000, you know, per month of recurring revenue. And not only that, they're not promoters, they're detractors. Mm -hmm. If you don't, if your person isn't a promoter, if they're not a nine or 10, if they're an eight out of 10, they might as well be a detractor because they're not helping your business. So, um, you know, but what if they're an active detractor? I mean, that's, That's not good either. So, you know, there's a bunch of different angles to look at this from payroll hours to can your staff increase their capacity once things are really easy to work with? Or does it mean that your staff is going to be happier because they're not in a cycle of constantly chasing after things and and really chasing their tails and reacting? Then they can be more proactive. And the other hidden benefit that people only see afterwards is the chain reaction it sets off of other things that they want to organize. Once this is done, they see the value in this. And so they want to do something else. And then, you know, it's, Oh, why don't we optimize this? Why don't we optimize this? And you're out of that, you know, uh, you're no longer on your back foot anymore. You can be a little more proactive because you've got the head space. Um, so you can take that extra time and do with it, whatever you want, go fishing or, you know, scale.
0: You said something earlier that I think would be really interesting to our audience because really of who we deal with all day long. You said you're a do it with you type of group versus Mm -hmm. a do it for you type Mm -hmm. of group. Can you contrast those two for me and put it in the terms that I think, and then I'll tie a bow into, I think what, how it, what that means to optometry.
1: Yeah. So, uh do it for you is my email is overrun uh I want it cleaned up I want to be able to stay on top of my email but this is a big job to clean it up clean it up for me so we get in there archive your stuff unsubscribe you to some other things try and create some folders based on what we think you might need um you know, start making assumptions and then hand you back this clean email account. Well, we've just fished for someone. So then given them a fish. And so they don't know what it takes to clean things up or to stay on top of it. They don't, they didn't feel the pain of cleaning things up, only the pain of spending money. And so when you shop in a new place and they add you to their 10 newsletters for all of the different things that they're promoting. You don't unsubscribe immediately when you see it come in. And so then it all creeps right back up and you're in the exact same position you were before. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, same thing goes for files. People go in, they just start archiving files or just putting files and folders and tidying up and, and creating a space for things, not really thinking through how you actually work. This is kind of that concept that I talked about before. At least I think we talked about it in this, but it's, if we just start putting files and folders, when the pressure is on, then taking that extra two seconds to find the right folder feels like an enormous weight to lift. I can't do that. I just need to save it on my desktop right now. Every millisecond matters when you're stressed and then things devolve. And if you've got a whole team, you know, and the system doesn't make sense, people just aren't going to use it and it's abandoned. So do it for you as someone comes in and just does it it's going to be cheaper i mean there there are some other digital organization companies out there who will do it and they're i mean they're hiring people for 10 bucks an hour on their hiring page and you know and they'll do it for 75 bucks an hour it's like a like a home organizer that you can just hire and come in and clean your stuff and and uh and then they come back to us and they hired that other person before cuz you know they're cheaper and then they end up coming back and saying they cleaned it up and like kind of helped, but I still don't get what I'm supposed to do. Like I I don't get it. And, uh, and then we have a process that we take our people through where it's like, okay, let's clean it up together and we're going to explain a concept. And now let's do this together and let's hit all the roadblocks of, okay, I, I, you know, I don't need folders for any of this. Actually, I don't need any folders at all. Why do I need folders? I can search for it. Cool. All right, let's go for that. And the majority of it, they really don't need a folder for. But then there's this real estate transaction and they're dealing with all of these people that they're never going to remember their names again. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to, I don't want to take that from my inbox. I don't want to, I don't want to archive that one. Okay. You don't have to archive it. You can put it in a folder. Let's keep all of those things together. So we want to do the process together and take you through this system so that there is deliberate practice together with someone guiding you through the process so we can hit roadblock after roadblock and help you think about, oh, in this situation, what about this? So kind of use that Socratic method to draw out from you what you really need. And we give you the context and are trying to teach you how it works and the intention and maybe reveal some tools and, and methods that you don't know about that can kind of change the way you're thinking about it. Maybe you don't need it as organized, organized as detailed as you think, or maybe you actually need it more organized and you need more detail than you want, uh, or wanted initially, but then we can help you understand the why behind it. And then all of a sudden you're very much on board and want to add that detail in so that you can find it again. So that's that's that do it with you, do it for you. And with our method, we're teaching and taking you through that process so that you have that hands-on and do it and know it and are then a resource. Or if you're taking having someone on your team go through that process, they're a resource for the team that can help kind of own the system, maintain it, and you're not having to come back to an organizer over and over again
0: I mean it basically comes down to the fact of who has the responsibility and in your system the responsibility comes down to the person who's making the purchase which is where it should be a good example for us in eye care right now I mean uh, when you're dealing with dry eye issues and you've got a you've got a guest who's come into the practice and um, they've got all this crud on their eyelids that needs to be removed and you go through the process of doing a uh Blef-X, which is this instrument that, uh, to, to quickly explain it to you, Sean, it's kind of like, like the uh, dental polishing tool for the eyelid uh, okay. that you would see, but it gets all that biofilm off of there. And so I, I do this treatment for them and then I send them home and then six months later, they're right back where they started because mm-hmm. we did this thing for them as opposed to doing this treatment and then sending them home with tools that will actually make that film stay away like a wave of sponge or something like that that they'll do every single day that's doing this minute little micro cleaning every day for them so they don't end up back where they started again in the first yeah. place as a you know and and i think that's the trap that almost every industry falls into is that we feel like we're going to be the big hero if we do it for them, Mm -hmm. as opposed to if we do it with them, we actually become more of a hero and we actually get more referrals because we've taught them how to keep from going into this pain point over and over again.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's taking the long view of, I know I'm going to get less recurring revenue from this person because they don't have to do a six month, you know, big, you know, ordeal for the eyelids every time. And, but I can, you know, I can help them to maintain it, but then you make up for it in referrals and happy customers and, and they trust you more. You know, it's not just the, the people who are going to take your money every time. That's a hard thing for us because, you know, we're, we're trying to do such a good job that you don't need us. So that makes us hungry for more leads all the time, which kind of sucks. But, you know, but then people are really excited and they refer people. So it's it's a balance. Um, but then, you know, the the recurring stuff is just I don't want to be the person that just cleans up your stuff all the time. Like it just feels like a really low value task um you know to just go in and and maintain it, whereas it's so much more challenging to help people change the way they're thinking and make really significant change instead of trying to collect a paycheck, cleaning in as many email accounts as i can you know i would I would have to
0: think that it's not only fulfilling for you to take these people to this level but it's fulfilling for them and again that's going to give them this empowerment feeling like they can take on the gates of hell with a water pistol in this particular situation (laughs) and and they're going to actually be able to come back and say well you know sean taught me how to do all this stuff and now my life is so much better So you really should talk to this group because this is going to help you get through those things. And that's just a great way to have. I mean, I can't think of a better way to build your business than just with success over success over and over again.
1: Right. Yeah. It's the, a huge payoff that people are actually looking for. Cause I'm, I'm trying to figure out in a, in a discovery call, like what's the ROI for you? Like, what's that return you're really looking for? And for some people. It's monetary, you know, for this business I was talking about. Um, The staff is sold emotionally, but someone else needs to see the the data for it. Um, But it's when I talk to the people who are actually hustling and they're the ones working in the files or email accounts or whatever, it's about confidence, It's like, why are you doing this? Like, I'll feel more confident when I go into that meeting or when I'm about to present that I know I've got the right file and the right slide deck and can go go at it. I mean, there's uh, how much did that anxiety of not having the right presentation affect the beginning of your presentation? I can't imagine how bad it was. I
0: mean, you know, or I, I well, actually, I can't imagine because I was there. But I can't imagine what it looked like on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's probably it's it probably was not as bad as I thought it was. But it still affected it enough to where, you know, at the point that I was, if I was there because I had something that I felt like they needed to hear, mm-hmm. and I'm so busy worried about is this the right slide deck, or or is this, wait, wait, I think this is the right slide deck, even though I know I've pulled it up now, but now I'm Mm -hmm. second-guessing myself. So Mm -hmm. for the first three or four minutes, I'm constantly thinking, when I hit this button, is something gonna show up that I don't, that's not gonna lead me down the right path to my next step? Um, You know, the same thing happens when you're trying to onboard someone on your team, and you've got all of your processes and checklists and everything, and your Loom videos to teach them how to do things in this area, and it takes them into a process that's centuries old, you know, that no one even uses anymore. And now you've just wasted time. You've wasted, and, and you've yeah. left them with the fact that you really don't know what you're doing. And should I really be working for this company? Because I don't really know what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's, a big, it's a big thing. There's, I have gotten so much better at this, but I used to be... I have a lot of anxiety around, um, public speaking and, you know, even doing a podcast interview. And it wasn't that long ago that I was uh, about to start a presentation and was like, thought I was going to pass out. I was just so anxious about it. And the reason is uh, of that anxiety. And I was listening to a podcast about this. It was like sports performance anxiety. It's about feeling like something is at stake. Yeah. So when you're so if you're about to present and you don't have and you're not confident in your next slide, then you're worried about how things are going to look and your reputation and you may not get another speaking gig. And all of the things are adding up. It's, st- you know, what's at stake. Then the yeah. pressure is just on. Some people do well with that. Some people have a hard time with it. I have a hard time with it. So. You know, there's this psychological game of being prepared, and then maybe even tricking myself up. Nothing's at stake. It doesn't matter. I'm just having a conversation, and they're going to get value out of it anyway, or whatever that you know comes into it. But that's the confidence that I was talking to, to well, actually, a few people about this week. Is you know going into meetings with people and knowing that they've got the right stuff, and you know, and being able to perform at a high level consistently. Uh, because they know that all of the tools that they need and the information is at hand and, and easily accessible. Yeah. Um,
0: I want to switch gears for just a little bit uh, as we sort of wrap in, because I want to talk about the importance of this little group of odd people that we have that we get together once a month on <laughs> and talk about what that has meant to you and to me um, you know, as it's it's our mastermind group and yeah. uh why that why is it important to you? What what do you get out of it? I'll I'll tell you what I get out of it, but I, but it's probably pretty close to about the same thing.
1: Uh oh, what I get out of it is not only having other business owners who deal with the same things, but it's actually having a relationship with them that we can, we not only does this person understand the struggle, but they can speak specifically to me and call out my strengths, call out the BS that might be coming out of my mouth or the, the limiting belief say, no, we know you better than that. That's, that's not it for someone else that would be the issue, but that's not for you because this is who you are and this is what your strengths are. It's probably more this thing instead. And, you know, that's, it's really amazing being known and encouraged and given a little kick in the, in the pants when needed, um, that I love. And secondarily is we're all doing different things, and yeah. and uh, in different industries and different uh, uh, staff, you know, memberships <laughs> or however many people are actually on your team, and everyone's dealing with the same thing on some level or another. It's usually people issues or a marketing thing, and they're all. Uh, it's just a different scale, but they're all the same problems. And seeing that. Uh, and knowing that even though I've only, I've got a pretty small team, I can make a really big difference, uh, with someone with a much bigger company income as me and everything like it kind of levels the playing field and it feels cool to be able to contribute on multiple lever- levels as well. Yeah, it is uh, without a doubt one of the biggest
0: highlights of my month, every single month. Um, I, I physically miss it when I'm not there. In yeah. June, I was off at our uh, American optometric Association meeting and I couldn't be there. And I was just really, I, mean, I knew when y'all were meeting and I'm thinking, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I'm missing this right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I would not have traded the time away from my wife that I got to spend with her, but it still meant something to me. It was painful a little bit yeah. to, to, not be there. and, the, the opportunities that we have to speaking each, into each other's lives. Um, the, and this is something that, you know, some of us kind of knew each other a little bit ahead of time. I, um, so, uh, for me, the, really the only person I truly knew was Jason Ray because he was actually in my same business accelerator group. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I had acquaintances with the rest of you guys because I had seen you all on the other video calls. But for the most part, mm-hmm. yeah, I really didn't know you that well. You yeah. know, and then after a couple of few months, it was amazing how quickly we all just kind of gelled. Yeah. And, you know, like you were saying, the the most powerful thing I get out of that is I'm not alone in all mm-hmm. of this. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I'm not alone is because you're Regardless of the type of business you're doing, you're still dealing with the exact same problems I'm dealing with. It's, you know, like you said, it's the people, it's all the stuff I want to buy with the money I don't have. It's, um, you know, the just feeling like I'm not doing the right thing and having someone go, yeah, you are doing the right thing. You are Mm -hmm. on the right path or Mm -hmm. telling you the opposite, you know, because this path that you're on is the one that I was on a couple of years ago and I can tell you how this movie ends and it's not a, it's not a happy story. Yeah, uh, I've seen this movie before, you know, so, so having those kind of things to happen and, and when you're in this big hairball, you can't see out of the hairball Yeah, <laughs> where everybody else can see where you are and mm-hmm. really talk you through it. So that's, that's such a huge, huge gift that I get every single month. Yeah. Uh, you know, and some of the problems we're going through are, are huge. Some of them are seemingly huge, and some of them are really small, and some of it's just this opportunity that we've got that we just you know make sure that we're you know on the right path. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's really great. And it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I miss I miss the people that aren't there when they're not there every month, but I know that every single month at least somebody's going to be there. Right, And uh it's a great time to just share and live with each other. You know, this is mm-hmm. what's incredible about it.
1: Yeah. There's, and the magic is we trust each other to be vulnerable and to mm-hmm. say, I screwed up, you know, and, and, and this isn't working. And, or I made this, yeah, I made this huge mistake and, and not, we're not posturing. Like I've, I've seen no posturing to try and make ourselves look better than we are, or, you know, sugarcoat anything or whatever to try and like one up. It's just, this is what's going on right now, you know, and I'm really excited about this. You know, it's, we celebrate each other's wins and sometimes someone is having something really hard happen, you know, or their business on the verge of collapse and then someone else is having, like, the best year and the best quarter they've ever had and are, like, high on life. And we can all, you know, we can celebrate with that person who's, you know, at a peak and uh, and empathize and just be there with somebody who's really struggling through it and, you know, help however we yeah. can. Be there as an emotional support, if not, you know, for if we can't do anything else. Yeah. Very and grateful. It's,
0: it's incredible that that happens exactly the way you have described it. I mean, um, we, you know, we've celebrated and commiserated all on the same time yeah. uh, calls, and then there's all these emails that go in between that we're having too. You know, so it's not like it's a once a month literally deal. It's just that's the only time we're actually sitting face to face with each other. Uh, the rest of the time we're con- we're continually. You know, communicating with each other and checking in with each other, especially when something's going on. Um, you know, I had a little bit of a challenge we talked about on our last call. And it was literally just you and me and uh, Amy, the three of us. And I actually got a, a text message from Lisa that you you and she had talked last week, and she just said, "Hey, I heard what happened. I just want to let you know. You know, thinking about you, and but I'm happy that that things are." you know, on the right path for you and you're feeling, you know, at peace about all this. And that was really nice to have somebody to say that to me. Yeah. Uh, You know, so it's just incredible. It's really incredible. And Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're out there and hearing Sean and I talk about this and you're thinking, do I need this kind of thing in my life? The answer is yes. (laughs) You need this kind of thing in your life. You need people um, to help see the things that you don't see as easily because you're in the middle of it. And I think it's also extremely helpful that you go outside of your industry and get input from other places um, because it's just so freeing to know that you're not the only one. But it's also incredible in some of the things that you just don't think about because it's it's something that they do in their industry a little differently. And you right. can take that information and bring it to your own industry, which is super helpful.
1: Yeah. That's what I loved about Business Accelerator is being at the... Uh um, being at the table with people in a bunch of different industries and, you know, there's one guy who's a massive consulting firm and, uh, and then another like happy egg company is like the, one of the owners or CEO of that. And, and we're talking about things and there's me with, you know, an assistant and one full-time employee at the time. And, like that was it. And I'm having this issue and they're like, oh yeah, we deal with the same thing. It's just on higher scale. But then they're able to give advice for, uh, for what I needed. And it's like, oh, that's, that's the framework. Those are the numbers that I needed. And then they're asking things and I'm helping them. And with yeah. my experience from a three, it was just, it was cool. I would say too, is so like encouraging people. Like if you feel like this is impossible that that you're in a toxic culture and everyone is posturing and trying to, you know, just one up or you can't really be vulnerable. Like, first thing to know is sometimes you have to be the first one to be vulnerable. But if yeah. you do that and then people are just taking advantage and and it's not level like you need to get out of that. Um But I would say look for uh communities surrounding coaching. So we found each other through Michael Hyatt's business accelerator or full focus. Now is right. business accelerator. And some of the just best friends that I have, uh, you know, in in relationship business relationships are those that I met from those types of communities, people who are hungry for growth and are willing to share what's going on. Um, You know, then you can you can find like minded individuals and be able to you know express some of these things that are going on and uh, help each other. Yeah. So, uh, one last question:
0: Uh, as you look through, and this is going to be relatively philosophical, and I apologize for a deeper kind of question here at this point. (laughs) But so, and you know, you're a good bit younger than I am, which I'm kind of jealous about, and I I don't mind saying, Um, but. When you get done with all this stuff, how do you want to be remembered?
1: As the person who really took the time to get to know me, that's the, that's what I want that person to think. Like that, that I was there and I, i would i would actually hear who they are talk with them and really care about what they were going through and be able to share and empathize with that but that's um i want to be remembered as somebody who um you know really took the time to make an actual connection with them and you know give that gift and anything else that i can give from there but the gift of being seen, even for a moment, of if we're meeting and passing, you know, and, you know, being able to hear what's going on with their life and encourage them or empathize if it's not great. Well, I can tell
0: you, you're already being very successful at that, wow. and uh, you know, <laughs> I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate me too your wisdom and thoughts, and uh, there are so many other things I would love to talk about at a later date, which we'll arrange at some point. Um, but I also can't wait to uh, get our group back together again on the third Wednesday of the month and uh, have this all hash out with everybody. So, yep. Sean, before we leave, how can people get in touch with you? How can they bring the digital uh, organizer to their business? And uh, um, what what would you like us to sort of get out of that response?
1: Yeah, uh, I'd say head to the com. And uh, there is a little assessment that you can take. It's a, like, how organized are you quiz. And what's cool about that quiz is it's not about do you have stuff, you know, really labeled neatly in folders. That's not the type of question, but it's really trying to figure out how effective is your system. And that can help point you uh, in a direction of where you should start. Should I start with my email? Should I start with files? Should I start with passwords? Um, I've got all of those things, but I really suck at project management and I need to work on that. And so that can give you a direction of, of where to go. If you do that, you'll get on my newsletter as well. So you can, you know, hear some helpful stuff. No spam. I promise unsubscribes work. Um, so, yeah, that'd be great. And, and uh, you can book a discovery call with us from the and, and I'd be happy to talk with you about what you got going on and see if we're a good match or point you in the right direction.
0: Well, we'll also make sure we get that link in the notes for the show and uh, make sure everybody has a really clear way to get back in touch with you. Uh, Sean, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for spending an hour with me and uh, talking about what's meaningful in your life, and your business, and uh, helping a lot of people get to theirs. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.